Howdy, partners. It's your ding-dang, big-bang, shooting, rowdy, son-of-a-gun, Wolf the Dog. Can I get a yee-howl? I am sauntering at you live from 694.2 PTBP from some other time. While dealing with the unfamiliar time, let's check in with a familiar old standby. This week's Howlin' with Wolf comes from Luke, aka Vegan Amigo, who wrote a fantastic five-star review of this show over on Apple Podcasts, which is a hell of a sweet thing to do. They write, Congratulations, Ian, Anthony, and Adam. You have won a night at the opera. Your invitations will be at the mailbox shortly. Pre-show drinks begin in two days. Please be prompt. Complimentary tuxedos and opera glasses will be provided. <laughs> Damn, that was weird, Luke aka Vegan Amigo. Which reminds me, let me look outside real quick like. Yep, I'm definitely sometime weird again, goddammit. Hey, you. Yeah, you, listener. Get your hand out of your mouth and focus for one goddamn second here, thank you. Old Wolfie gets lonely on his travels through both time and space. The knowledge that you folks are out there metaphysically keeping me company brings me warmth both in my esophagus and in my loins. I'm not sure how this community keeps growing. My producer assures me we are doing the absolute bare minimum in terms of advertising. I guess bare minimum means none whatsoever. So please, keep up the beautiful word of mouth. It seems to be working. Keep telling your friends, your enemies, your frenemies even, and keep writing up sweet recommendations and reviews on Reddit. Just keep doing what you're doing, sweet baby listeners. Unless you're not doing the doing, then join the doers in the doingness. Fuck Nike. Y'all ready for a new jam that makes smuckers feel like suckers? A jam that truly squelches the likes of Welch's. This track is so sweet, y'all. It'll make the fruit green with jelly. It's the Creek Rocks with Can't You Hear Them Wolves A Howlin'? Standing behind a heavy wooden lectern is a young man wearing a thick hand-stitched suit. At the neck of his white shirt, he sports the collar of a preacher. And pinned on his breast pocket, there is a shiny gold star. Words along the bottom of the screen read, Contention, 1880-something. This fresh-faced kid steps back from the pulpit and begins to walk down the aisle of this, his house of the Lord, as he speaks directly into camera. Howdy there, folks. My name's Bobby Custard. Welcome to Contention. Nuzzled here in the middle of prosperous farms and ranches, this dusty mining town of Contention sits. (laughs) 
We were doing a-okay for a mining town, but then this fella, no, no, not a fella, a bona fide genius. Well, he, he came along and turned contention not only into one of the most successful mining operations this side of the long wet one, but one of the most modern towns around. Silas Cole showed up one day as just a miner, and before long, he was inventing and doing all sorts of business. After he bought the mine, he electrified my church here, and the courthouse, and the schoolhouse too. Mr. Cole Shirley is a gift from above. You'll meet him eventually if you stick around long enough, but, but don't, don't make eye contact or, or any sudden movements. He's real skittish-like. Always on the edge of another brilliant discovery, I'd imagine. And his wife, Mary, what a gem. She founded Contention's first library. Contention's got more learned folks than ever before, which is a big asset in my humble opinion, being there is far less crime, and I don't have to do all the Bible reading during service. I will say, though, this is a bit of an unfortunate time to be here in contention. See, uh, we done had a handful of disappearances lately. Nothing wild. Usual suspects. The whole saloon staff and the bartender, Miss Kitty, piano player, a few gamblers, the town drunk, you know. If half of them went missing in one go, not sure anyone would bat an eye. But almost ten folks? Within the span of a week? Well... A few of the townsfolk are getting a little worrisome. Not that I blame them. So we're hosting a town hall meeting today here at the church so anyone with information can talk open and we can have a vote on the best course of action moving forward. Now I got a dust before this place is full, but we'll see you real soon, yeah? Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> Welcome to Contention in the 1880s. It's the Old West, boys. I love the 80s. Giddy up. <laughs> That's the only one there is. Giddy up. And what in tarnation? Don't Everybody's that. saying yeehaw, but not asking how ye. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo, but I love it. Well, hey, Luke. Yeah. How are ye? I'm doing real good. Real nice. <laughs> is that lag. your character's voice? No, I've Literally got it in my good. head, but it's gonna it'll come out. Yeah, that's same. Oh good, you guys didn't practice. We're on we're on for a good I practiced. <laughs> I, I yelled not. in the shower at myself. And then I, I cried. just assumed mine would come out when it started, so Yeah, same. Well it's always worked for all of us before. <laughs> <laughs> I like to let the voice find me. Generic southern accents have taken us this far, Zach. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm doubling down on it tonight. That's that's my my only inspiration. Ooh, don't fuck do with that formula in the Old West scenario. I'm going to be method acting, so we're going to have to find a way to record without Audacity or laptops or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to get Luke some uh, some like mule blinders. <laughs> Close my eyes the whole time. Calm down, boy. Calm down now. Stay focused, Jed. Talk, just talk straight forward. Don't look, no. Oh, he saw a computer. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. What the hell is that? He's thing? going wild. Wild as hell, y'all. Roll sanity. Roll sanity. Why is that picture so bright? <laughs> <laughs> that's what horses do, right? Yeah. It's donkeys. That's what meals do, too. When, when was Mountain Dew invented? When were donkeys invented? Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew. But what sound oh. do donkeys make? 
whilst they drink a dew. It might have been around in the 1880s. It's one of the older ones. Let's see. Mountain Dew was introduced in 1940. Yeah, but wasn't Mountain Dew a slang term for... It's not moonshine, one of the older ones. Right? It's moonshine, Mountain Dew yeah. disambiguation, yeah. Moonshine. Because that's why they called it that. Because it's green. Because it tastes like moonshine. Everyone knows when you slug down some Mountain Dew... Those, you go, those mm, notes, that's smooth. <laughs> those no- notes of moonshine hit you in the back. Mountain Dew is not smooth at all. It's so fucking it's aggressive, thick, dude. There's a song from 1882 called "The Rare Old Mountain Dew." Wow. And there's also a 2011 song called us. "Diet Mountain Dew" by Lana Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> Sing the first one for us. Okay, let me find it. We should see if we can get the second one for the theme. <laughs> Hey, Lana Del Rey. She's from Missouri, right? Yeah. Dad counts, right? She's from Sykeston. Has Brad Pitt, has Brad Pitt wrote any songs that we can throw him on? Local musician, Brad Pitt. Uh, he's an actor. Okay, I'm about to listen to the rare old Mountain <laughs> Dew. See what it's like. No, no, no. Don't listen. Sing it. Okay, let me look up the lyrics. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't look up the yeah. lyrics. Sing it. Well, I already from looked memory. up... Uh. I don't know. I, I can't do it. Put on the spot. <laughs> Have you seen my Mountain Dew? It's rare. <laughs> Fuck. Fucking real nailed bad. it. Real bad. Tops. Have you seen my Mountain Dew? It's rare. You got to put more well, you're whatever doing that is. Damn good. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the lyrics. That's the only ones I know. Because oh. you just told me. Well, the me chorus that. would be <laughs> easy to sing. Hi, die, diddly, diddle, um, diddly, doodle, idle, um, diddly, do, ride, diddle, um, there. Did you look wow. it up? <laughs> yeah. For it fills the air with a perfume rare, and betwixt both me and you, <laughs> as home we stroll, we can take a bowl or a bucket of the Mountain Dew. Mountain nice. Dew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Bring me my spit bucket. I want to taste the Mountain Dew fresh. Oh, that's Justin talking right now. <laughs> for, for those one, of you who are like, what the time. fuck is he doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thomas. <laughs> it's very Irish sounding, the song. Oh, I thought you were talking about Justin. I was like, he's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did hatch from a space egg. (laughs) (laughs) You guys found me outside of Zach's house in his backyard. (laughs) In the big green space egg. (laughs) The only reason that we remember that is because we have the VHS tape that was sent to us of us finding him. Mm -hmm. So I always forget (laughs) since it's like a planted memory. Yeah, but thankfully that tape included a great montage of the four of us raising him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even if we didn't have the memories, it's kind of like we got to see what it was like. And let me tell you, there was a lot of love. I remember when you guys, when Zach got a big green egg to smoke meat in and I just tried to climb on in that bad boy. Oh my you guys God. Had to you, hold got, me back. you got so singed. And Zach was like, my hams. <laughs> Don't go home. <laughs> That's that was Zach's nickname for <laughs> for Justin. Hams. <laughs> My hams. Hamilton had just come out, of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good year for ham related content. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin just wouldn't stop with his political rap. <laughs> <laughs> he also made us go see uh shit, what's that pig called? <laughs> 
Babe? No, oh. the cartoon. Peppa? Peppa, Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have been better if I could remember. Por- I was going to oh, say Porky so. Pig, but it's mm-hmm. that's Looney Tunes. Indeed. <laughs> Looney Tunes indeed. Did you ever bartend a Peppa Pig show? No, I didn't. Yeah, I made the mistake of doing that once. I always signed up for the ones that I thought were country singers, but then uh, one dude's name sounded so much like a country singer, and it turned out to be a Christian magician. (laughs) (laughs) So I made no money. Did he try to give you, was he like, here's your tip, and when you reached for it, he like made it disappear, and you were like, God. (laughs) Wait, so Luke, Luke, what were the Along with my faith. That's... Uh, it was like Peppa Pig, I guess, did some kind of tour, like a live music thing. Was it like a hologram? No, it was like people in, cost- <laughs> no, people in, in the costumes. Co- I, I know exactly I what you I saw the video about. of Peppa Pig dying brutally. But anyway, it was like mostly candy and popcorn sales and then like the same seven dads getting really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so tips, tips were not great, except from those guys. <laughs> Yeah, Christian Magician was just a lot of homeschool jokes. All right, oh, you guys. No. Uh, <laughs> oh. All right, everybody get off the fucking call except Joe. Do we just leave or just <gasps> and stick actually off? just go ahead and leave and I'll text you one at a time. Okay. Just go ahead and back. leave. Just go ahead and just go ahead and leave. Who's next? I'll send text. It'll go Joe and then it'll be Justin and then it'll be Thomas and then it'll be Luke. Cool, I can play a game. Just text me. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. Yeah. Joe, I'm going to go pee real quick. <laughs> Alrighty. Joe, I don't have my headphones on, but I had no idea you are so fucking humongous. You're a monster. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. It's Luke that's humongous, not you. Oh, that's what you're referring to. I thought you were talking about like me positioned in my camera or something. No, I was talking. I was reading the characters. He is. He's a, he's a big one. I thought boy. I was reading yours, spoilers, but it's Luke's. For the audience. And he's a monster man. <laughs> Zach, don't put this in. God, don't put this in. Mute this, Zach. (laughs) Clap. Clap. (laughs) Joe Terry, tell me what you know. What uh, time counter is your audacity at? My time counter on audacity is at 19 minutes and almost 30 seconds. Cool. I wanted to make sure I didn't have any missing time. No missing time. The missing time like we had when we found Justin's egg pod. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss when he was suckle at my teat. I just pictured it. I'm like looking at him on the chat and he doesn't know we're talking about it. It's just like <laughs> picturing him all up on that nip and oh. Well, we can play hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did that make sense? Did you nope. understand what I meant? <laughs> nope. ED didn't exist in the 1880s. Let's get going. Your character's <laughs> name is Everett Pace. I've asked you to give me a rundown of who your character is, and you wrote something so beautiful. Well, thank you. I was I was 
uh, taken by surprise. You asked, you, we have a group chat and you asked for us to present a day in the life of a character. And Luke was actually the first one to present one. And it was the best written thing I'd read in a long time. <laughs> and it made me think, oh shit, I got to write something now. <laughs> I actually, he sent it to me in a, like a, a private message. And I was like, you have to send this to the group so that they know what they're up against. <laughs> yeah. I did not meet the challenge, but I did write a good couple paragraphs. Oh, I absolutely love what you've written. And let's dive into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. No one knows how long Everett Pace has been in that old, low-slung, sod house on the bald spot of the hill just outside of town. He's just always been up there, old Everett. Folks don't see him too often in town, except for the few times he wanders in to restock his coffee and ammo supply, and once or twice a year when he ventures to the saloon for a drink, as though he's celebrating something. No one ever bothers him, though. He just looks... off. An unruly mess of long gray beard and an attempt at a greasy comb over on top. He's got a sickly, dirty complexion and walks with an uneasy, slightly hunched shuffle. But his eyes are bright and wild and fiery, and only add to how off-putting his whole presence can be. The town folk do catch glimpses of him up on the hill, though. Uh, he's often tending to a sprawling garden, butchering the day's hunt or chopping wood. He looks so old and frail, but each pull of the hoe, a cleave of the cleaver, a swing of the axe reveals muscles that have been at least tuned to the work for ages. Uh, Mothers in town use Everett as a boogeyman, (laughs) telling their children if they wander too far at night, he might snatch them and can them up like the radishes and Brussels sprouts in his cellar. And the kids believe it because they can't tell when or if Everett sleeps. A flicker of a lantern in the wee hours of the night and the occasional but sudden crack of a rifle being fired off towards something unseen and unheard makes the kids pull the covers up extra tight at night. And so while these kids are pulling their covers right above their chins, up over their noses, like you're supposed to wear your fucking masks. Yeah! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So many under the nose! Uh, Just right over the nose. They're they're holding their, their sheets tight. And they're thinking about Everett, who is, what is he doing at night? When he's got his lantern out, does he have his, his rifle with him? Like, what, what, is he, what is he doing? Is he out on his property? Is he inside the house? Can they see the lantern just bobbing along? Uh, the lantern flickers from within the house. I mean, that, that, that's what the kids are definitely questioning. If you want the answer... It's that he's uh, he's he's lived his life on this land, protecting it as his own. It's it's his his parcel in this world, and he uh, he guards it. He he he'll uh, he'll stay awake at night to make sure the crops don't get to, and he'll he'll shoot a wolf if he sees one coming up, or a, a raccoon, or any sort of thing that uh, threatens his. And it's exactly on one of these nights, Everett hears a grumbling in the distance. And it's on his land, and Everett, Everett knows exactly what direction it's in. It's not, it's not where the animals are. It's not where his garden is. Everett doesn't have animals, just for the record. Oh, sorry. No animals. You kill, you kill by the day. He lives off the land, so he's he's doing a lot of his own gardening and stuff. But he hunts at when he can, and then just like keeps the meat until he's like needs to go back out and restock up. Yep. Damn, that's fucking cool. We're different now as humans <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, i'm hearing a, a low rumbling somewhere and you hear scratching and you hear 
earth moving and you know that it is coming from the direction of a spot in the ground where there is a cross made out of sticks planted what is that spot everett well that's where that's where my that's where that's where claire is buried that's why would there be a sound over there he's and he'll maybe shuffle over there a little bit and in the darkness your old eyes do you have anything that would let you like yeah i've got a decent spot hidden I've got That'll a decent do. listen. Either one of those. Uh, I'll do my spot hidden. I mean, I say decent. It's 45. Did I mention in my description that my guy is an old man? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I don't think you did. He's 65 or uh, 68 years old, and he's kind of frail oh, so in general. <laughs> I thought maybe there was a chance for a birthday at some point in this arc. <laughs> oh, his birthday's tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm doing spot hitting at a 45, and I pass a uh, 20. You can't. I'm not sure you can. Go ahead and roll sanity. <laughs> Just right uh, off the bat. That's also a k- cool character quirk of this guy. He's already kind of weird in life. People already assume that he's weird, and he thinks he, of himself as kind of a loner and a weirdo. He's kind of open to weird shit, so he's got the highest sanity of a character I've ever played at 80. Oh, 80? Holy yeah. shit. And I pass a 26. Well, your eyes don't lie. You know what you see. You see Miss Kitty, one of the saloon workers. Who had gone missing. Who had gone missing about a week ago. Yeah. Okay. The town is all uh, half up in arms about it. Some of them don't give a shit because it's a lot of the ruffians that have gone missing. But there were a fair amount of disappearances to the point where people are starting to kind of maybe get concerned. 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 concerned that uh that concerned it, it, is actually another degree higher so that's exactly exactly because now they know that it more effort them <laughs> <laughs> miss kitty is digging with her hands into the grave M- miss kitty what are you what are you doing miss kitty get out how, how far off is this and where are you in your house I'm, I'm curious he was probably standing at his doorstep when he heard the sounds mm-hmm so the the grave is uh, I would I pictured it like I said he's on a bald spot I would picture it near the tree line so maybe like twenty yards like he's got a good plot up there sure so t- maybe twenty yards away up by the tree line yeah 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 go ahead and roll listen for me as you holler out oh fuck uh, I fail a forty seven on a forty there's some sort of murmuring happening underneath the breath. Of Miss Kitty, just kind of like, <laughs> I keep approaching. Miss Kitty, Miss Kitty, they're looking for you in town. In there, where are you been? Get out of there! You don't need to be digging around in there. She hears you coming, looks up, wide-eyed, looks down, and then she's just gonna run away. Away. Everett's fine with that. That was just a yeah. That's weird. Miss Miss Kitty. Come back! They're look. They're looking for you in town. Where you? Where you go, Miss Miss Kitty? And as ever, it goes back into his home. Does he wrap up? Does he sleep? No. So this is based on a real thing I read that they think that back in the day, a, a person's sleep cycle was much more of a farming cycle. That they would take like a lot of naps, but be awake for a lot of the night because they had to protect their areas. So he's he he's a he's awake a lot of the night. I love it. 
I love it. Yeah. I love you. I love you too, Zach. I'm getting in the car, baby. I'm getting in the car. I'm coming over there. <laughs> Wear your fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> For the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Justin is my friend, and he's got headphones on, and he's on the podcast, and I'm very happy. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Pretending to Be People. Oh, what kind of show is this? This is the show where we talk to each other, but not as each other, because even in our friendships, we rarely... Talk about things that matter. It's always bullshit, so we may as well have a podcast where we're completely different people. I've never known the true Zach, so why start getting to know him now? <laughs> Please don't. Uh, what's your character's name? You won't love me if you know me. <laughs> Old Zachy don't want no one to know him real good. Get get heart hurt again. <laughs> Heart's so broken. <laughs> uh, uh, my character's name is Jack Perlman. Oh, yeah. That's a sexy name. I know, right? It kind of sounds like a porn name. <laughs> a it absolutely bit. sounds like a porn name. Just like uh, Ron Perlman. Oh, is that who you've based this character off of? No, just the, the name. I've, Ron Perlman's great. He's great. Big fan. My my man isn't a, a lumbering giant <laughs> with a bellowing voice like Ron Perlman. That documentary he was in. Hellboy. <laughs> and then the second documentary, Hellboy 2. <laughs> and then the comic based on the documentary. <laughs> I love it when people make comics based on documentaries. documentaries. I can't wait for that March of the Penguins graphic novel to come out finally. <laughs> I've been reading some nonstop. Oh, yeah. I heard the I heard the Watchmen guys doing the March of the Penguins. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So I asked you all to write a thing about your character. Day in the life, if you will. Quick description, day in the life kind of situation. Yes. Tell me about Jack Perlman. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Jack. Every time, every time the name Jack Perlman is said, I'm going to edit in those two noises. Yeah, do us both at the same time. Like, yeah, combine. Oh, so we same time it? Same time it. Like, we always. One of these like, days we we're going to get that down. <laughs> oh, okay, night. yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to be truthful with the oh, yeah. audience. We're working on we're it. We're trying to get in sync. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, God. Carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, Jack Perlman, he's a... Uh, <gasps> He's just hit his 40s, graying ever so slightly, dark tan skin from uh, manual labor. He's a he's a rancher, but unlike a lot of other ranchers, he tends to do a lot of stuff by himself. He uh, hasn't really found uh, help that he would consider up to his his standards. Basically runs the whole shindig himself. He wakes up quite early in the morning, probably 4 or 5 a.m. at the crack of dawn, mm -hmm. feeds his two dogs, Chuck and Bob, who are uh, scruffy mutts that he took in, makes a strong mm -hmm. pot of coffee and a big old biscuit breakfast to start his day off right. He mainly raises and trains horses, which he, which he loves dearly. Few cows here and there and some goats just for the extra cash, but... He, he really loves the, the majesty of a big old horse. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, who doesn't? <laughs> who does? He often, uh, a lot of the day, is like, you know, maintaining, raising them, checking them out, making sure their health's good. He patrols the area for any trouble because I assume he has like a big swath of land that he has yeah. to, you know, mend fences. You, you wrangle a lot of mending, a fences. lot of wrangling, a lot of mending. Uh, but at the end of the day, he either goes to the bar to grab a drink or seven, having an excellent <laughs> time. Or, alternatively, he stays completely home with a book, sitting on his porch with his dogs, only lit by the light of the lantern and the the glow that reflects off a bottle of whiskey. So let's cut to a scene about a week ago on one of the nights where you ended up at the saloon to have one or two or seven... It's hard to keep track after. Roll a D10. Let's see how many drinks you've had at this point. Oh. Oh. Where the fuck did I put my die? Oh, Justin. Justin. You amateur. We're playing a role-playing game, Justin. The role stands for when you roll the dice. (laughs) I don't think it does. (laughs) Can you talk in that voice from now on, please? Yes. It's it's my DM voice. (laughs) Like I can't stop smiling. I just love it. Help, Help me! Justin has me trapped here. <laughs> Boom! D ten. Five drinks in. Five drinks in. A good number. That's a fair amount of drinks. Now, <laughs> I was going to say. Now roll a D four for how many hours it's been. Three hours. Okay. That's actually not bad. That's not bad at all. I'm averaging about two per hour. Yeah, that's a that's a fun night. Yeah, that's that's his preferred. Uh, Jack's preferred oh. is to do that, but it doesn't always go down like that. Sometimes people <laughs> bet you like uh, you know that you can't do ten shots in a row, and you really need four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's eighteen eighty something. Four dollars. Oh geez, four dollars. Uh, is mad monies. I don't know. I don't know the conversion rate. I should. I, I bet it's that? real good. I'm doing I played it. Red Dead Redemption and it seemed like $4 was a lot of money. Some of the guns on here were like $9. So I'm going to say $4. Here is 105 to, well, 100 bucks. That's I yeah. Would you do 10 shots for 100 bucks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I know I'd just get extremely sick and oh I'd be like God. how many hours do I want to waste $100 <laughs> for a day gone That's like a true. whole day I would be useless maybe even two these days I can't keep up when I was um a young man 10 shots did you mean when need we hundred when we when we first met each other four years ago yeah when I was a <laughs> and, young and would do young child four years ago <laughs> let's dive in here yeah you're kind of uh leaning up against the piano in the saloon and the piano player is not playing right now because no one's paid him is like he's a jukebox and uh he needs to get money in order to play songs so it's dead silent right now so he's just talking to one of the gamblers who's around here and he's like oh yeah no i swear to god it's a girl teenage girl walking around the new mine over there at night not a chance married be happy about that and the other guy's like no shit you saw a teenage girl over there at that new mine? I don't think Silas would have the balls to do something like that. And the other the piano player is like, <laughs> Not a chance. He owns this town and do whatever he wants. If he wants to have a new girl, ever does the walk, I swap the red 
dumb. And the other guy's like, I just don't see it happening. That Mary Cole is a stand-up woman, a good smart head on top of them there shoulders that she's got, nice, broad, strong like, could easily take a man like Silas Cole if she truly wanted to, and there's no reason she would want to deal with that kind of nonsense in his blessed life. Praise be the Lord. Praise be the Lord. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, does Jack does Jack, <laughs> does Jack join in the conversation at all? Uh, uh, Jack's not a big fan of gossip of any kind. Hot goss, just slinging around and there's, here. But he do, he does like listening. He just doesn't like participating. So he's kind of he's keeping an ear on because he wants to know what's going on in the town. But he also so cutting back to this night, uh, you've got your option here. Are you out at the bar again? Uh, this is about a week later. Or are you hanging out on the porch with your dogs, lantern, and bottle of whiskey? A week later, what's the what's the weather like this oh, evening? Oh, it's a, it's a buggy, muggy motherfucker. Mm. I think he just goes to the bar. If, 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 if the weather's not like nicer sitting outside, then he'll head to the bar. There's a nice cool breeze. He'll take it outside and kind of chill. But you know, you know how ranchers in the old west loved to chill, <laughs> take it mad easy, keep it mad posy. <laughs> it's the old west, bro. <laughs> yeah, I heard that they um they they had a net that they would have to keep the bugs out that was uh, on a stick, and they would just you know net stick and chill. <laughs> net stick. Oh my god! Stop. Do you love that me? Was, that was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it because you put a lot of thought into it. I put a little thought into it. So as you're coming home from the bar, what do you ride? I like to think just like a good old strong. I can't remember the differences between the horses. I used to actually kind of know from old Red Dead, but <laughs> it's like a it's like one of those like it's a larger than average like strong horse a good like worker horse that's like my my go-to. i don't care about that what's its name oh what's its name <laughs> no i do care but also what's its name jeremiah oh yeah so you're riding jeremiah back and you hear a <laughs> coming from the field that you own and you know it's the crying. <laughs> Was that your attempt at a horse? It's the crying of a horse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what they sound like. Was that a sound of a horse or was that? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're okay. a rancher. You know it's I didn't know if there was an old man dying in the field. <laughs> you know, Joe's character's on your property and he's fucking dying. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Everett. All right, so yeah. you hear this as you're approaching your home. What do you do? Uh, I kick up the speed towards the source of the noise. Roll alertness for me. Oh, is there alertness in this game? Fuck, we're playing Down Darker Trails, which is the Old West setting for Call of Cthulhu and spot hidden, baby. Old school. Spot hidden. Okay. Oh, oh my God, I have to roll two. God, I was like, I rolled a... Well, I rolled a 10. That'll probably six, be good. 16, yeah. I was like, I rolled a dark while so I doing. <laughs> Fucking amateur hour over here. Welcome to the show, Justin. Get your shit together. Uh, you roll a 16 <laughs> on spot hidden. And as you're approaching, you're riding toward the noise and looking off into the distance, you see a thin silhouette 
dipping off fast into the distance, 40, 50 yards away from this horse that is still 20 to 30 yards away from you. So almost a football field away, you see oh, wow. this this very slight figure that is just running. And with that roll, you can see it's a humanoid, but it's running like um like a wild animal. And you said it's like a football field away? Almost, yeah. Hey, what'd you do to my horse? Does it stop or it anything? It will not stop. It, it It only continues. Is it is it cooking at a speed that I could catch up with it on horseback? Or is it so far away that it's like scurrying into the, the wild? At it's this heading point? into the wild at this point. But you could okay. chase it through the wild if you could track it. Uh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm going to go to where the horses are. I can kill you tonight if... That's what you. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. I don't have tracking, (laughs) and it's the night, and there's a ghoulish ghoul of some kind. No, but I'll go towards the horse to go ahead and roll sanity for how fast this. uh, It's like it's inhumanly exactly unhumanly fast. Well, I need to roll two dice, please. Ooh, that's that's a ninety-eight, baby. That's not going to pass. Or does it though? <laughs> yeah, no, that passes. No, uh, God no. Uh, lose one sanity okay. as you realize there's something in contention that is not human, and you look up at the stars, and it's a clear night sky. And as you're kind of like toward this, no! <laughs> this old man horse sound, <laughs> you know. The world isn't what you thought it might have been if something like that exists here. And when you make it up to your horse, I need you to roll another sanity check. Because I'm surprised at how uninjured it is. (laughs) Uh, 40, I pass. Whatever this thing was, it clearly was here for meat. It knew exactly where to shred the skin of this horse to pull out the most muscle the quickest. And there are just holes on the haunches and in the shoulders of this horse that is on the ground. You can kind of see through where its chest is. Uh, the muscle is completely missing and you can just see it's the, the top rib on its left side where it's laying on its right. I uh, gently hop off my horse. I'm like, damn dandelion. No. Uh, I, I walk up to it with my revolver and I cock it and I look at it. I'm sorry I couldn't be here for you when you needed me. And with that, I put dandelion out of its misery. <laughs> Jack looks away sheathing or whatever you call it putting his gun back in his holster uh wipes a couple tears away from his face and gets back on his horse to to make the rounds to make sure everybody else is safe thomas cox what are your thoughts about the situation now I can hear. I said, Thomas Cox, what are your thoughts about the situation at hand? Uh, I don't know a whole lot about it, Zach. 
It's the old West. That I, I I like that. Tell me about your character. The people are missing, and that that won't stand. <laughs> That's the thing we're gonna try to get to the bottom of here. I bet it'll work out for us. I bet it will too. I've set this whole thing up to where you guys can look at Justin. Is he, he meditating? That's what I thought too. But we're gonna look like assholes when we're talking about this on the podcast, and he's just dead. There he goes. <laughs> he moved. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, yeah, so I am playing. Um, <laughs> hold on, I realized I never Googled my character's name. I did. Anybody terrible? Nope. Okay, is the guy who came up with the the he's the doctor who came up with the like air pathway thing where you shove a pin in somebody's throat and epipen or no, a trachea no, like, tracheotomy. And it's not spelled the same way. I immediately thought Horace Grant. Oh, Horace Green. Horace Prep Green. Oh shit! Is the school from Hell School yeah. of Rock? Okay. Well, I am. I'm. I'm playing a Professor Horace Green, and he is a uh, a naturalist, a paleontologist. Um, he searches for ancient creatures from the past, and their fossils, and 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 their remnants. Sick. Does he just put bones together and call it what he thinks it is? <laughs> some some uh, hucksters in his pose- like profession do that, but he is a trained naturalist. He he's at the cutting edge of of modern of modern theory when it comes to uh, paleobiology, and uh, he uh, I don't know if that's a word back then, but that's that's what he does, man. That's what he lives and breathes. It's a word now. Mm-hmm. I'm not in character yet, so I can say it's not exactly. If I'm it's just not trying to. Thing, I'm just trying to practice. coin it. Exactly. Who can say that before he was terribly killed Who by whatever Delta Green say? monsters Zach has in store for us? That uh, Professor Hor- Horace Green did just not three. did not coin the term paleobiology. And I asked you to write me a uh, like a day, not just for me, but also for you to get to learn about your character even more through the practice of writing this was actually helpful and also for the listeners to get to know your character even more i was telling joe earlier this is the best decision we've ever made for (laughs) for writing new character direction yeah instead of just doing a day in the life exactly (laughs) i really dig it so go ahead and and give me what you got any dms or gms listening this is a really good uh this is a cool mechanic before you run a game that being said, I didn't know it would be read publicly, so I will have to self-edit and uh, clean this up as I go along, because I sent Zach just a filthy version. So It was mostly pictures. Crude. <laughs> crude scribblings, really. I was like, wow, I know exactly who this character is. <laughs> Professor Horace Green leaves his bed at 5.30, although he has generally been awake for an hour or more at this point, staring at the ceiling or the curtains or his sleeping cat, Hesiod, observing but not quite seeing these things as he lets his jumbled rush of thoughts flow freely until they have sorted themselves into something like order. He picks his way through the stacks of books that litter his floor and heads downstairs to the parlor, where the widow Anderson is already waiting with coffee. He stayed at the hotel the first few months he was in town, but he found himself in frequent disagreement with that establishment over payments and acceptable level of cat excretions. Returning from his shale one day, he found the hotel had employed the washerwoman's daughter to clean his room. 
He opened the door to see her rearranging his table of vertebrae and promptly fled to the washroom to weep. Since then, he has stayed at the Widow Anderson's boarding house. She rises as early as he does and enjoys stiff coffee and silence in the mornings. The other boarders are young men. They leave quickly in the morning to make their shifts at the mine and stay out at the saloons until late at night. The widow is content to leave Horace to his vertebrae, and his cat enjoys her company when he is away. After drinking his coffee and reading the papers, Horace heads to his shale. Following the creek a short distance out of town, he comes to the rocky outcropping that he hopes holds the answers to his most burning questions. And so Horace begins his work. He chips and digs at his shale, looking for signs of the monsters who once roamed this land. It has been months, and he has found nothing like the vertebrae that first brought him here. They plainly belong to a Mosasaurus, but he had never seen or read of any specimen so large. Local children will sometimes come down after their morning chores to help the crazy old professor sift through his rocks and mud, but on this day he is alone. By the early evening, he has found no signs of his Mosasaurus and returns to town, making a point to stop by the hotel restaurant to enjoy his supper before changing out of his muddy clothes. He cleans himself at the boarding house and reads the evening papers with the widow while Hesiod sleeps in his lap. He retires to his room where he will read or respond to one of his many professional correspondents or diagram his vertebrae. Hearing the young boarders returning from the saloon, he knows it is time to retire. He tells Hesiod goodnight, scratches his head, and turns out his lamp. And as soon as it's dark, you hear one of your young minor neighbors drunkenly going on about one of his ex-colleagues, a regular gambler at the saloon who is counted among those recently missing in contention. I, I swear to God is my witness. Thomas told me in confidence, he said he, f- he f- said he found oil down there. But like... It was alive, like moving and breathing and the like. Last we, last we all saw of him, he was arguing loudly up in Mr. Cole's office, and then it was, it was just silent. Now, I'm not saying shit to anyone about that, because I don't want to be the next one missing, so that's why I'm not going to, I'm not going to that meeting. And no, I'm not going to go. I'm not. But that, that I'm not telling anyone. No, no, not no one. I wouldn't tell. I, I mean, yeah, I might know more, but I'm not telling anyone, am I? No, I'm not. Just because Thomas is all missing and shit because he's arguing with Mr. Cole. Hmm. It seems a fellow named Thomas is missing from, from his normal gambling uh, habits and, and mind working. After finding a living oil and arguing with Mr. Cole. I'll file that away. Living living oil. That could be something. That's what dinosaurs are now. Dinosaurs are birds, Zach. Fuck. Wait, so does that mean dinosaurs aren't real? Yeah. <laughs> if birds came from dinosaurs, then why are they still dinosaurs? <laughs> What up, what up? How you lurvin? Lurvin like larva. Joe said that. <laughs> it's fucking nasty. Joe said that. Squiggling around. Your character description, day in the life, writing assignment was so good that it like made him feel like he had to take it up a notch when he wrote his. Good. I'm glad. Yours is still the best one, though. Uh, do you want to describe your character? Uh, yeah, my... Um 
My character is Ephraim Cortland, Judge Ephraim Cortland. He is a very tall, large man, 43 years old, but looks... You keep looking at him, you don't... You couldn't really tell how old he is. He's just a, just a disgusting... He's a slop of a human. He's a slop. He barely takes care of himself, just sores all over him from, like, barely washing and not washing his clothes. Uh <laughs> Always has like grease and food in his mustache and on his mm-hmm. face. He's always sweaty, uh, greasy hair, dirty fingernails and hands. Just fucking gross. His, his What's this guy's deal? Why is he so nasty? Well, he was a well-respected judge, um, fair and well-respected. But about six years ago, his wife and his daughter died from cholera. And that pretty much just wrecked him. Drug. Yeah. He always uh, boils his water before he, he drinks it now. Does he have taste buds? He probably not because he smokes he smokes cigars, he smokes hand rolled cigarettes, he chews tobacco. Jesus he's known Christ. to make he's known to make tea with tobacco oh. to uh, he uses that as a chaser for his uh, whiskey. He Jesus always keeps Christ. fully stocked bar with really nice whiskey, but he he buys nice stuff so that people don't think he's a drunk. Yeah, so people think he's classy, but uh, he is a drunk. Drinks heavily throughout the day. Always has a. F- he's got a flask on him. Um, it's a metal flask, like bound with leather, and mm-hmm. on on the flask it says two uh, EC from REC with love. Uh, oh. Ruth Ruth Cortland was his wife. Um, so he keeps that. It's very special to him. Always filled with whiskey. How big is it? How big is the flask? Yeah. Think of like a, a regular flask f- t- four times that big. So it's like <laughs> it can fit a hell of a lot of whiskey in it. So I needed to buy a flask when I was 16 years old. Yeah. Not for drinking purposes, but because I was playing Tani Zuko in Greece. At my high school's production. Of course. And you got that lead, I needed baby. a flask, got that lead as a sophomore baby. And so I <laughs> and so I went to an antique store and I bought a flask and I thought to myself, this, this is kind of a big flask, but I didn't I didn't drink that much. So uh, you didn't really know. When I was sixteen, it was like stealing nips from people's parents' basements and such. Right. But I learned later when I used that flask, it held half a fifth. Of shit, yeah, that's three hundred and seventy-five milliliters. I'd say that's about yeah, half a fifth is what this can can hold. He always has it on him. His clothes that he wears, since he is a judge, uh, usually like three-piece suits and stuff, but they have not been washed or taken care of. He has no intention of buying any new clothes, so they're ratty and holes and stuff in them. He always makes sure there's an inner pocket for his flask, though. Of course. All right, read me this. Read me this thing, baby. Judge Ephraim Cortland wakes up in his comfy, puffy leather chair. A greasy plate is broken on the ground beside him, missing the half pound of bacon it held the night before, which was eaten far too quickly by the judge and washed down with a half a bottle of expensive whiskey. Ephraim wipes his face with the back of his sleeve, smearing grease and bits of bacon into his salt and pepper horseshoe mustache. His stomach churns out a low gurgle like the sound of that sweet black gold when it bubbles up from the earth. Ephraim struggles to stand up from his chair. The effects of the whiskey from the night before have not yet worn off and his weight does not help the cause. 
As he rises up from the chair, his top hat scrapes the roof of his modest home. His 43-year-old bones hold him up at 6 foot 10 and carries a little over 300 pounds of booze and pork-filled fat. The man looks like he is falling apart, as if his skin was one paper cut away from expelling the rotten insides and decaying flesh. He takes his top hat off and bends over, holding the makeshift barf bag expectantly in front of him. A minute passes, but the only bodily fluid in the hat is sweat that is profusely dripping off the man's balding head. He tosses the hat to the ground and strips down, naked. He boils water for a bath, eyeing some half-cooked bacon left on the dining table from the night before. Against his better judgment, he finishes the undercooked fatty pork before the flies can. After breakfast, he decides against a hot bath. It's much too hot already. He half-heartedly washes himself in a cool bath, just enough to be almost presentable for court. He comes his long, graying, patchy hair across his head and oils up his mustache. He picks up an earthy, tweed, three-piece suit off the floor and dresses himself. Bending over to put on his socks and shoes, he feels dizzy. His top hat finally fulfills its purpose as he empties his guts into his felt and silk wastebasket. He straightens himself up, feeling much better, and removes a flask from his jacket. He drains the flask in one gulp, then fills it with a half-empty bottle from the night before. He takes one last swig from the bottle, swishes it around his mouth, gargles, and spits it into the top hat. He tucks his flask back into his suit jacket and heads toward the door. As he walks outside, he figures it to be around noon. He was due at the courthouse at 9, but he knows he will be fine, as he is the only judge for miles. Plus, the townsfolk won't get too upset if they can't pay their fine for not hitching their horse or getting unruly at the bar. Uh, did he put his hat back on? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? No. Does he wash out his hat? No, he just leaves it He just leaves it on the floor. Okay, so we're going to cut back to uh, about a week ago. This is a few days before one of the gamblers disappeared, and a couple of them got, into a, got pretty unruly. Unruly enough to where one of them was locked up at the courthouse, and... Cortland is walking through, and this guy completely, um, he's got mime face. Not mime, yeah, but mine. he is kind of miming because his hands are up against the bars in front of him, but there's actual bars there, so he's really good at miming. Those. Right. <laughs> and he sticks his head in between two of the bars, and his eyes get really big, and he's like, you know, <laughs> Mrs. Cole. She ain't human. <laughs> she ain't a human. <laughs> Ephraim just looks at the guy and, uh, like, the guy's holding onto the bars of the yeah. prison cell and he just punches his fingers into the bar of the cell. Into the bars. And you just hear the laughter continue as this man backs away into the darkness of his cell. What the fuck is that about? He kind of eyes the guy and just stops for a second and then continues walking. Back to the day in question. Ephraim, still gazing up at the blaring sun, whistles a long, loud note and clicks his tongue. A colossal, shiny, brown and white Clydesdale saunters over and looks at the judge. We're late, hey mister, let's go. 
The juxtaposition of this elegant, well-groomed horse and the off-putting, nauseating giant of a man confuses the locals. How could a man like that own that horse? Ephraim Cortland mounts the horse effortlessly, his grace opposite of everything else in his life. He takes off at breakneck speed on his steed, kicking up an enormous dust cloud as he races towards the courthouse. As he rides, there are only two things on his mind. His horse, and how many men he wants to hang today. Yeah! <laughs> uh, and when Ephraim gets to the courthouse, uh, when he walks in, he goes to flip on the lights. The new electrical system has made uh, electrical lighting possible here in the courthouse, thanks to old Silas Cole, the genius in contention. And as you flip them on, there's nothing. What's wrong, Blight? Um, oh, oh, oh gosh. Oh, no, I'm sorry, mister. Um, it's just that, uh, it seems to be that the the copper wiring has been stolen. Paralegal comes running up. Uh, uh yes, no, um, uh, it seems to be that all of the copper wiring has been stolen out from the courthouse uh, in the nighttime. Why? I don't know, but it, uh, it might be worth it to bring it up at the meeting today. How'd you, and well, how do you know? Who you. told you? What is this? And I grab it out of her hands. <laughs> Uh, and you see that there's a letter uh, requesting your presence at the town hall meeting at the church to discuss disappearances. What time is the meeting? You're already late. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll be going over there and fix the fucking lights. And I walk out and get back on my horse and right over to the town hall meeting quickly, fast. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs>
better get my darling Can't you hear them wolves howling All around my poor little darling All around my poor little darling I'm afraid they'll get my darling